Welcome to The Scientist Speaks, a podcast produced by The Scientist's creative services team. Our podcast is by scientists and for scientists. Once a month, we bring you the stories behind newsworthy molecular biology research. Scientists have known for a long time that microbes can take up extracellular DNA fragments, and they have leveraged this transformation process to genetically modify bacteria in the lab. However, transformation is quite fickle and depends on creating the right balance of reagent concentrations and cellular conditions. How this process takes place outside of a petri dish, in more natural bacterial environments such as soil, has proven more difficult to determine. In this episode, Nayla Halterman from the Scientist Creative Services team spoke with Heather Kittredge, a postdoctoral research associate at the University of Connecticut, and Sarah Evans, an associate professor of integrative biology at Michigan State University, to learn more about natural transformation in bacteria and its implications for the rise in antibiotic resistance. The rise of antibiotic resistance among disease-causing and even harmless bacteria is a phenomenon that has worried scientists and clinicians for years. Nearly 1 million people died due to drug-resistant infections in 2020, and scientists expect this number to increase more than tenfold by 2050 to a staggering 10 million individuals per year. Bacteria are resilient microorganisms that have a wide array of survival mechanisms at their disposal that they can activate when they enter a hostile environment. For example, some bacteria have an antibiotic resistance gene that produces a pump which expels antibiotics from the cytoplasm before they can induce their toxic effects. Such genes increase a bacterium's chance to survive when they face anthropogenic stressors, changes in the environment that are caused by humans, such as increased abundance of antibiotics in waterways and soil environments. Despite worldwide efforts to limit the use of antibiotics and reduce their presence in the environment, bacteria continue to develop novel mechanisms to avoid antibiotics' toxic consequences. Therefore, scientists are studying how and where bacteria acquire antibiotic resistance so that they can discover new ways to prevent this process. Heather Kittredge first tackled this problem when studying the evolutionary mechanisms of seemingly harmless soil bacteria during her graduate studies in Sarah Evans' laboratory. Antibiotic resistance is not just a clinical problem. Antibiotics in the environment are abundant. Antibiotic resistance genes are abundant and diverse. They're a natural part of communities and anthropogenic stressors specifically the release of antibiotics and antibiotic-resistant bacteria into the environment creates a concern because these bacteria can be selected for an increase in abundance. For example, studies have been done showing that if you apply animal manures to an agricultural field, there'll be an increase in antibiotic resistance genes in that soil environment. And this happens in a dose-dependent way. So the more animal manures that are applied to an agricultural field, the greater concentration of antibiotic resistance genes. So I thought, what if bacteria that were dying could release genes such as antibiotic resistance genes, and if live cells could then acquire these genes? Almost 100 years earlier, scientists discovered that bacteria evolve by incorporating genetically encoded traits from other bacteria that are not their progenitors. These horizontal gene transfer events occur through three different mechanisms. Bacteria can conjugate, or physically connect, 
with other bacteria to exchange DNA. Or they can obtain new genetic traits from viruses through a process called transfection. Alternatively, bacteria can absorb extracellular DNA that they encounter in the environment via natural transformation. This process resembles fishing. A bacterium extends a membranous structure called a pilus, which looks a lot like throwing out a fishing pole. The pilus then binds a double-stranded DNA fragment, internalizes it, and integrates it into the organism's genome. While scientists have extensively studied horizontal gene transfer mechanisms in the laboratory, they have not explored whether and how these processes occur in more natural but complex environments, such as in soil. This is in part because it is very difficult to culture bacteria that are isolated from soil. Sarah Evans recognized the importance of filling this knowledge gap to understand soil bacteria's likelihood of taking up antibiotic resistance genes from their environment and exchanging it with others to accelerate the spread of antibiotic resistance. To answer this question, she outlined a project with Kittredge that would reveal the precise conditions that soil bacteria need to absorb environmental DNA fragments. For microbiology, they might expect something like this to happen. It just has never really been explored and shown in these mesocosms. Why wouldn't it happen in soil? might not happen because in soil things are much more spread out and maybe they don't have enough water and maybe there's not enough extra DNA for them to take up. So Heather varied those factors and said, let's look at them over a range that is realistic in soil to show that this could happen in, in nature. Evans' laboratory was ideally set up for Kittredge to test this process in a natural environment as it is surrounded by research fields where scientists study switchgrass a perennial crop that holds potential as a renewable and sustainable source of biofuel. To become an effective and sustainable biofuel source, plant-based energy sources must meet several requirements. They must grow quickly, with as little water, fertilizer, and manual labor as possible. Therefore, scientists aim to develop cost-effective biofuel production methods and often rely on affordable fertilizers, such as animal manures, when they optimize the growth conditions for potential biofuel candidates. However, because current livestock production methods typically include extensive antibiotic treatments, using animal manure as a fertilizer carries a risk of introducing antibiotic-resistant bacteria and their DNA into biofuel crop fields. However, because current livestock production methods typically include extensive antibiotic treatments, Using animal manure as a fertilizer carries the risk of introducing antibiotic-resistant bacteria, as well as their DNA, into biofuel crop fields. To find out whether soil bacteria can take up antibiotic-resistance genes, Kittredge collected soil samples from the switchgrass fields at her institution. She first sterilized them to eliminate all microorganisms and DNA present in the samples, and subsequently introduced Pseudomonas stutzeri a non-pathogenic bacterium that is often found in soil and water. This bacterial strain does not normally carry antibiotic resistance genes in nature, but it has the ability to incorporate DNA fragments through transformation and could subsequently conjugate with more pathogenic bacteria to propagate these genes. So we add our live pseudonomous stutzeri cells to the soil, and then after that, we're going to add populations of dead pseudonomous stutzeri cells that are carrying antibiotic resistance genes, specifically gentamicin resistance. 
And we're going to allow the cells to sit in soil for between five and 15 days, depending on the experiment and what we're manipulating. And at that point, we'll create a soil slurry and we'll plate it onto Petri dishes that have no antibiotic or antibiotic. All of the studies were done in soil that was antibiotic free. And this was really important to me because it's really common to conduct studies about the spread of antibiotic resistance under an antibiotic selective pressure. And this is important research, but we know that antibiotic resistance genes spread in the absence of antibiotics. And that's exactly what we're seeing in our study is that these antibiotic resistance genes are spreading to live bacteria and there's no antibiotics selecting for them. And after they've spread to these live cells, the live cells are staying in the populations. They're not disappearing, despite the fact that they have a slight fitness disadvantage caused by gaining those antibiotic resistance genes. Once Kittrich and Evans saw that Pseudomonas stutzeri took up the DNA fragments they had added to the soil and developed antibiotic resistance, they took a closer look at the soil itself to determine the conditions that permit horizontal gene transfer through natural transformation in bacteria. When they varied the soil's water content, they found that bacteria were more likely to obtain antibiotic resistance genes in dry compared to wet soil. This is surprising because in general, wetter soil conditions are better for microbial survivorship. So a good example would be enzyme activity. As soil moisture increases, so does the rate of enzyme activity. And in our study, we actually see that at our highest soil moisture, which was 40%, we have the largest number of cells. So seemingly they are happiest at the higher soil moisture, but where they're happiest and growing the most is actually not where they're picking up these antibiotic resistance genes. That's down at 10-ish percent soil moisture. So that's a really interesting observation to try and unpack why Pseudonomus stutzeri is picking up antibiotic resistance genes at a soil moisture that isn't optimizing its growth. When bacterial communities face unfavorable growth conditions, such as drought, they cluster together to form biofilms and increase their chance of survival. Such biofilms may represent transformation hotspots because they consist of a sticky extracellular matrix that traps DNA from dying bacteria, making it readily available for living bacteria to absorb. Kittrich and Evans wondered whether the increased horizontal gene transfer rates that they had observed at low soil moisture was due to Pseudomonas stutzeri forming biofilms. At 10% soil moisture, the soil forms together and you can pull it out as a whole unit. It is stuck together. Whereas at 40% soil moisture, it's more of like a mud. So I, I think that the structural component, whether it be just the soil moisture itself or the biofilm plays a big role in regulating gene transfer. One thing that we did is we disturbed the soil matrix by physically homogenizing the soil at 10% soil moisture. And we saw that if you never homogenize the soil, you have high rates of gene transfer. But if you homogenize it every two hours or every eight hours, as you homogenize it more, there's a decrease in the rate of gene transfers, implying that physically disturbing the soil matrix lowers gene transfer events. Evans and Kittrich's work raises important questions about the best practices for the agricultural use of animal manure to fertilize crops for food as well as for biofuel. 
reducing the risk of antibiotic-resistant gene spread from animal manure to harmless and pathogenic bacteria in the soil, will involve developing sterilization methods that completely remove bacteria and their DNA from animal excrements prior to their use as fertilizer. However, antibiotic resistance is not the only genetic trait that bacteria can acquire through natural transformation. And this bacterial process could also have positive implications for the environment, something Evans would like to pursue in her future work. It's another example of how strange and wonderful biology can be. <laughs> the fact that, that this occurs where bacteria can horizontally transfer genes. In this case, it might be a little scary that they're transferring these antibiotic resistant genes. But another potential direction for this work is to look at other functions that might be transferred horizontally that are beneficial to humans or beneficial to plants like nitrogen fixation or other decomposing genes. So there's a lot of genes that might move around the uh, microbial communities through horizontal gene transfer that might be really interesting to look at. There's so much variation in biology and in life and the fact that there's a form of horizontal gene transfer with live neighbors and with dead neighbors. So they can make use of dead genes and put them right back into their living genomes. I just think that's very weird and fascinating. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Scientist Speaks. This episode was produced by the Creative Services team for The Scientist and narrated by Nayla Halterman. Please join us next month as we learn how scientists finally fully sequence the human genome. To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.